0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Two Gods. My name is Hermela, and I'm a freshman at CRLS. And my name is Jeanette, and I'm a sophomore at CRLS. We are here with Wendy Richard, Richard, Director of CSR and Community Relations at Sanofi Genzyme. Over the next several episodes, we will be exploring the topic of corporate social responsibility. We are going to be addressing the issue of can and should corporate entities be playing a greater role in our education. So, yeah, here we have Wendy. Hi, Wendy. How are you?
1: Hi, guys. I'm great. Just a little FYI, but it's okay. You don't have to remember. My last name is pronounced Richard, but we should have, so it's French, just like Sanofi is French. So that'll be like our little, our little theme for today, but I'm doing great. And thank you both so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Of course. We're grateful to have you here. I've already
1: learned a lot from you guys. And I mean that we'll talk a little bit about that, um, you know, in the next few minutes.
0: Yes. Okay, so we just wanted to start off by giving you the opportunity to introduce yourself. So feel free to tell us a little bit about who you are and your path at Sanofi Genzyme.
1: Sure, Um, and this will probably just make it easier. Just so you guys know, um, Sanofi has gone through kind of a rebranding effort throughout the world. Like a lot of large life sciences companies, and I think as you interview more and more people down the road, you know, you'll hear these stories of acquisitions, just like in other types of businesses. So we're actually not using the Genzyme name anymore. So I will talk about so in my. My role at Snowfine, all of my four roles that I've had, I support the specialty care division of Sanofi, which was formerly known as Genzyme, because Genzyme was one of the companies that Sanofi acquired back in 2011. But let me first introduce myself and then just see if there's any parts of what I say that you guys want me to expand upon. Um, My name is Wendy Richard. I am currently the director of corporate social responsibility and community relations for Sanofi. I'm based here in the greater Boston area. I've been working for Sanofi for about 10 years, um, but I've been working working in life sciences for, it's been a long time, for almost 20 years. Oh my gosh, (laughs) time to retire, guys. Um, And this is my, so I've been in this um, CSR role for two years now, but I've had three other positions in different parts of the organization over the 10 years that I've been with Sanofi. So I started out on the commercial side of the business. Um, supporting a sales region. I was out in the field working with specialists um, for one of our divisions. In this case, it was our neurology business unit. And then I moved into what many companies refer to as corporate affairs, kind of these external um, external departments that support the, the business units within companies. So communications is often housed there, public affairs, government affairs, corporate social responsibility. So I've been in this corporate affairs part of Sanofi for the last four and a half years, um, in three different positions. So, um, I've had, I've, I've worked across kind of life sciences as a whole, and I'm, I, I love this role very much. I talked to you guys about it the first time that I met you, but I saw um, as a regional leader for a nonprofit, after I finished grad school and so I worked with a lot of companies so I was on the other side of kind of the relationship um, and working with companies who are investing in some of the things that we were doing and so it's neat now kind of gone like a 180 in terms of returning to this role but from a corporate lens and from a corporate perspective. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, just like, well, we would have liked to ask you if you wanted to give us a little more perspective on kind of like your variation throughout the company. How has that given you like perspective on like different issues and kind of insight on what goes on?
1: Well, I'd say specifically for what we do. So we're, you know, you guys know within biopharmaceuticals, we, you know, produce medicines, we identify different targets, we licensed in medicines that we ultimately hope to bring to market that will impact some kind of unmet needs for a specific patient population. So, what I would, my answer to your question from the lens of working for a biotech pharmaceutical company is one of the things that helps me as I think about like who we are and how we show up and our corporate citizenship is having had the opportunity to like work with patients and patient communities and the doctors and the health systems that are treating all different kinds of patients. And just thinking about, I mean, I think there are similarities, even though I, I'm not specifically supporting, you know, what, what we do in corporate social responsibility is not linked to a business unit. It's a higher kind of who we are overall as a company and who we are trying to be. Of course, our patients, some of them, you know, we're, we're all patients, right? And the patients live in the communities and we're doing work. So ultimately there's a relationship because some of our patients will benefit from the work that we do within CSR. But I think that in having all these kind of different roles, not just at Sinofi, but in previous jobs, it just gives you a broader understanding because I've had to kind of work through equity issues in my different roles and work with different kinds of patient populations and really understand firsthand, either whether it's from like a pull-through perspective, but like some of the barriers that individuals, families, and communities face. I mean, in this case, I'm talking specifically about accessing quality healthcare, but there are a lot of similarities when we talk about, barriers to accessing quality, many things, whether it's education, um, quality, economic um, jobs and opportunity and mobility, there's a lot of connectivity between kind of engaging um, within like a community at all different levels and then trying to work together to solve the problems So ultimately help individuals and communities have a better life, which also gives us, I mean, it's like a reciprocal kind of thing because um, we have to be improving the lives of, you know, the societies and the communities around us to be able to continue to evolve within you know, our business. So I think it's just really enhanced my perspective on the work that we're doing now is the short answer to your question
0: yeah i love those ideas and i know that you've had a lot of experience working in the different sectors of sanofi and i just wanted to ask you from your current position as the director of csr how is sanofi engaged with the local community and what initiatives or what has been put in place that you're aware of that um in which sanofi has engaged with the community
1: So we could spend the rest 45 minutes answering that question. So I'm going to try to, I'm not very succinct if you guys are already noticing this, but we've been engaged with the community across our larger business functions. So not just in the commercial or corporate affairs parts of what we do, but on the R&D side, on the clinical, on all the science, like, so we have a lot of different kinds of relationships um, that we've had for decades, not even just since we became Sanofi when we were... Genzyme was formed and started that last, have lasted for decades, at least specifically within the greater Boston community. We kind of focus on three general buckets. And we, once again, we have so many different kinds of initiatives and partners with even in my program within CSR, we partner with over ninety different organizations across the Greater Boston and Cambridge area. So um, our footprint is really it's broad and it and it's deep because we have a long history of doing at least this CSR work. Um, so we we focus on at least in my department, and you know what R and D is focused on, or the marketing team might be a little different, but we look to. Um, engage in efforts that support the expansion of health equity, STEM, and educational equity, and then also looking at initiatives that allow us just to meet like critical unmet society needs. Like, what, whether it's like food insecurity is a big one that people, I mean, it's always been there, but like once again, the pandemic has made us more aware of some of these disparities and equities that exist. So we can focus on that or food insecurity. Um, so our program kind of covers those three areas, which is broad, right? Um, health equity is broad. Like there's so much in there around health and equity or lack of access or lack of understanding or, you know, living in communities that don't have qualified providers there or, you know, medical misinformation and how do you demystify some things that may seem, um, like obvious, depending upon who you are, where you are, but maybe may not be understood or translated within certain communities. I mean, so health equity is broad. So we have a lot of latitude to decide kind of the things that we want to support and the partners that we want to work with. STEM and educational equity is broad because it's what may be important for you guys, as you know, you may not even be, it doesn't matter. You're not STEM students or not your students, locally may not be the same things are important to students that are going to school in Roxbury or somewhere else. So, but STEM educational equity, and then this critical unmet need. So within that, so universities, so what types of partners, you know, it could be, you know, we have partnerships with Harvard across every part of Harvard. We work with MIT, um, all different kinds of non are out, you know, you guys in, in the, your, your capacity, you guys are incorporated. IFP is a nonprofit organization. So all different kinds of nonprofits that are doing great work in the community that that's and we don't just, it's not just about the financial support. I know we're going to get to this a little later. We start talking about CSR and shared um, corporate value, shared social value, but it's also about what employees are doing to deploy, like our engagement and our thought leadership, to also work directly with organizations to work together to solve problems. In 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 the larger sense of it, not just philanthropy is important too. Like it's important to support things and organizations, but it's also we have to help and everybody needs help with capability building so we understand how to do things better and we need all those voices at the table. Um, so those are the, the three main areas that we focus on, but we have all different kind of partners throughout the state really that we engage in that work with.
0: Awesome. No, yeah, I love how you guys have broken it down into those like three buckets um, and obviously, like you said, they're very broad categories and can be dissected in many different ways um, and just like for like some context and even like conversation building um, at IFP like we with the whole mission of two blocks, we really want to bring a kind of student voice to the table obviously like in educational inequities is a global issue and different communities deal with it differently. Um, and specifically in Cambridge, we have that unique dynamic of having Kendall Square right in our backyard. Um, so kind of bringing, although it's very intimidating to walk through and see all these billions and million dollar companies um, kind of right in our neighborhood, how do we like try to integrate our voice at the table and like make a, make a space for ourselves.
1: Um, so yes. I really appreciate Yeah. And you yeah. guys are doing a great job with that and your work. Very you. inspiring. But yeah.
0: So another question we have is you kind of briefly mentioned this was from your perspective, how is creating shared value different from CSR, CSR at Santa Fe?
1: Um So I think that we, to me, at least in how our program is managed and how we execute it, I think it is even though I'm in the department of corporate social responsibility, I feel as though we operate um, in terms of the things that we do in this department around creating shared social value. I feel like in, in our company understands that it's really about the partnering, about the responsibility to be a part of identifying and solving problems in the communities where we live and work, Um, and that our success cannot be you know mutually exclusive from like in general the community moving forward where everyone is progressing I think that there is an understanding about that at least within this program and the things that I get to touch and let me say I, it we get to touch a lot because a lot of the top leaders for our company um, are involved in the decision-making and what we do within CSR. So I think in the beginning, before we started talking, there is a difference in terms of those two definitions because, and so I don't want to in any way discount the things that you guys are trying to highlight. Corporate social responsibility kind of traditionally just means it's this oh almost a paternalistic kind of understanding that we're this big powerful wealthy company and we're going to trickle down dollars here or there there you go are you happy now recipient of that money i mean it 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 kind of implies that kind but so that's, I don't, that's not the, I think though, that this work is taken really seriously at Santa Fe. Like we, it's definitely a program that continues to evolve over the decades, change as leadership changes, as we change, we keep morphing because we're getting bigger, companies are acquired, we have a presence in Framingham, Waltham, Boston, Cambridge. So as a company, and not just our, you know, as companies change, people come in, people come out, it's important that like kind of the beating of this, the drum, whatever that's happening in terms of like activating people internally around the importance of um, making it a societal impact and that it's important to who we are. It's important to our talent pipeline because we, all these companies here want to expand their pipeline. All these companies want diverse perspectives that inform kind of how their business is going to impact and touch the world. But sometimes you can lose momentum just depending upon the cycles that companies are in. So let me just say we're called CSR, but I believe we operate from a sense that like we understand we have to be creating shared social value and we wanna keep rising to the challenge and we wanna understand the things that we're not doing that we should be. And we wanna keep morphing the program. And I've only been in the role for two years, but I feel like that ethos is here. Um, so I'm not trying to say everything that we do is perfect at all. Not not at all. But I think that there is a genuine kind of commitment to this work and a desire to make sure that the voices within in the community that are actually doing the work or impacted by whatever we're trying to do, kind of like have a seat at our table to inform us about like how we could be um, contributing, impacting, partnering better than what we're doing now. So that's, um, so I'm grateful for that because I don't feel like that exists everywhere, you know? And then it's like, so for me, those definitions are different. Any company we need to be engaged, I mean, it's like the world changes and now it's like we have to be thinking about things from a shared social value perspective. And if you're not, regardless of what your department is called, then you're missing the mark on where we are right now in 2022. And the and and this is some of the part that's really good change and even just the last two years, like everyone's been shaken up. And we know more than what we understood, you know, the collective we, right? We understand more about disparities, we understand more about what that means how people are being impacted or what people can't access or the economic kind of impact of what the pandemic like it's the best of times for the economy, but that only applies for, you know, whatever percentage. Like we understand a lot of things because it's been like in the media, like we've been exposed to it. People are raising their voices like you all. So we can't, even if it was unintentional, the great thing about now and what you guys are doing is we can't go back. We can't go back to like, We have to continue to move into this under the understanding that's already there. We need to embrace the voices around us. We need to get uncomfortable and do things differently. And we need to do it sooner rather than later because the pace of change, not just innovation, but the pace of change things are moving like this and we've got to keep up with it in terms of bringing people along all of us like not being left behind because at the end of the day if businesses don't do this they're they're not going to exist for that i mean they're just not because they're not going to be investing in quite literally the pipeline the larger pipeline that they need to continue to do their work and to succeed so it's imperative in many different ways that we really try to be listening and leaning in to the areas where we can make a difference. No company can do impact any, just like you got, you know, you got it. Like, what are we, like, what are we doing? What are we asking for? Like what, but on the areas where we can make a difference, we really got to continue just to stretch outside of ourselves to understand how to do that and continue to do it better.
0: Very valid points right there. And like, Just to touch on a few things that you said is obviously we have this notion of kind of shared value and just to speak prospectively within Cambridge like a lot of the time we see and I have many examples of where companies kind of give have a monetary approach to issues and although that is good to some extent, there's not that lingering effect that we're looking for. I can count numerous times where I've been to kind of the pharmaceutical companies within Kendall Square and have gotten the opportunity to look around and kind of experience what a day in the life may be. Mm -hmm. But then after that experience, it's like a field trip. Okay, let's go back to our same learning environment. So that lingering effect and that continued sharing of value is not really in place or has not really been established yet. Um, And that's kind of one of the priorities we have within two blocks and kind of another point is like, We need to come up as a city kind of within these three demographics of the businesses of the um, local government and the school district of kind of our own definition of what corporate social responsibility should be, Um, because obviously every company has their own way of dealing with issues and kind of attempting to attack them in a way. But how do we make sure we're all on the same page to Mm -hmm. put put our stuff forward? Um, and like again, like a lot of these companies are global. They're not just within Cambridge. So the right. questions we've like been us. asked exactly yeah. are why Cambridge? Like why should we just be focusing on Cambridge? And I think Cambridge within like answering that question is mm-hmm. Cambridge is one of the most like unique cities in a sense where we have this very heavy business kind of presence, yeah. presence and then like but there's still like an education sector. We have Harvard and MIT, and also like the public school district um, and a local government, as any city would. But how do we kind of intertwine those to create kind of a, I don't like a pipeline yeah, in pipeline, a way, yeah. 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 So I just that's like something we're very curious about is how we can like, and Hermela can speak on this a little bit as well mm-hmm. as how we can intertwine and connect and really um, become one rather than each. Because honestly, right now, it just feels like we're in like one city, but three different cities at the same time. Because there's Kendall Square, there's just the schools, and then there's just the rest of Cambridge. Yeah. So how to yeah. we yeah. them and be one? Yeah, and one of the big questions that we're answering here through two blocks is how much of a difference can two blocks from the most innovative square mile on the planet make? And the reason that we're saying most innovative square mile on the planet is that in regards to Cambridge, Kendall Square is not only a really 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 like innovative area in Cambridge but in the world, world yeah. we have Moderna we have Biogen we have <laughs> Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer we have all these big corporations that are like renowned worldwide and then have yeah. the community around it and we want to make sure that resources are adequately being invested back into the community that surrounds it mm-hmm. and that its own backyard is yeah. kind of being attended to for its needs and when we think of corporate social responsibility, responsibility, there's the idea that societal needs, business opportunities and corporations can all kind of succeed as one. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to separate all of these ideologies. We want to make sure that they're connected in a sense. And like you said, Jeanette, not only in the regards of Kendall Square, but there's also the government sector that we have here in Cambridge, the educational sector, and we want to find a way that all of these can kind of be connected and interconnected mm-hmm. so that a system can be made and this, is, this um, city could be further unified in that sense. So. And just like one more point before we kind of jump into the next question is like, a lot, and I'm saying the majority of the students within the city and even who live kind of two blocks away from Kendall Square, don't even know what these companies do. Mm-hmm. I've asked students like throughout grades from kindergarten to high school if they knew that Pfizer and Moderna was in were in Kendall Square and like what they do, and a lot of students don't even know. So how do we just like from kind of a perspective like yeah. how do we integrate and make sure like people within our community are aware of what's going on? Because like again, we're right in our backyard, two blocks away. We got the most innovative square mile on the planet. So
1: yeah um, i love I love listening to you guys really I do, and I think that what you're talking about is just it's right on and i think like in what you're talking about is that you know we need to make systemic change right we under also understand about systemic things, I think, not like in, the, like in the last few years in a way that maybe society at large didn't understand about it before, right? When it, particularly, it's like, oh, systemic racism. What does that mean? Why does it exist? But there are other systemic things that can cause inequities. And so ultimately, and, and, and this is where, you know, even what you guys are saying is just really, you, don't, you may not realize it, I hope you do. It's really powerful because once again, People and companies can be very well-intentioned and think that um, what, like, let's just say they're giving, Is enough, but it it may not be for, in some cases, maybe it is enough. Let's just say not every organization is the same, not all the talent. Maybe some organizations just do need the funding, but even if they're just getting funding, they may probably need consistent funding over time to be able to do their work, to try to make some kind of systemic or, you know, changes to the problems as opposed to, look, we have to have band-aids. we got to put band-aids on wounds, right? Like that is important, but if all we're ever doing is putting band-aids, on that we're never getting to write the part of the iceberg the 80 percent that is underwater that's not being seen we're just putting bandages on the 20 so everything that you guys are saying like that's, you're right and so what we and this is a thing companies may think what they're doing is the right thing and don't understand that no that's not enough and let me tell you why because I'm a part of this ecosystem this community and I'm just using you guys as an example there are lots of others doing this as well like you have to um, raise your voice you have to engage but also I think even more importantly companies have to step outside of themselves to make sure we're seeking those voices, that we're listening, that we're leaning into, in this case, the communities where we live and work. And then we're talking even... Specifically about Kendall Square, just because, as you mentioned, just the concentration of Fortune 100 companies in Kendall Square alone. We don't, you know, here's the thing. I don't know. I haven't taken a poll at SnowFi, but like, I don't know that people understand that there's this level of kind of inequities and challenges in our, in our backyard. And that's not, not knowing is not like that's not, it's, once again, that's another one of those things that's not good enough, right? Like someone has to be responsible for knowing and learning and bringing that information back into the places where you touch. I'm one of those people that's responsible for that at my company. So I take kind of the, the onus of that on myself, but everyone else too, that is similarly, like we all are responsible for educating ourselves on kind of the state of being. Um, But before you do that, you also have to accept the challenge and the understanding that you have kind of this ethical duty to contribute to solving these problems. So um, I wanna kind of go into, I wanna stop and just see like if you guys wanna say something, but I like what you were saying, I think I really wanna talk more about you know, just like this tale of two cities that you feel like exist in Cambridge and what you guys are trying to highlight in that you're raising your voices, which I think is so powerful because you're going to really educate a lot of people. You're going to act I mean, you already are, I'm sure, in ways that I don't know, but you're going to activate change. Like, I feel like I'm one of those people that has to, like, we do have to do more and you guys are in our backyard and you're absolutely right. And I didn't even realize, like, There's more that we can be doing, and even all the changes in our company, like we have to raise the awareness of what you're doing within Sanofi. But I think that applies for every because if we can't affect the communities that are literally in our backyard, then I don't know what the point you know what the point is it's just you know there's just what's what's the point like we have to it doesn't mean that the communities across the country or the ones around the world or all of it matters but if we can't at least kind of fortify like our playing ground like our your ground zero then it's like you're missing the forest for the trees so and I think we understand that it's just about like are we doing what is necessary is it changing enough? Or are we still being impactful? If not, like what needs to change? How do we need to evolve? So I love everything that you guys said, and I feel like it's very resonant for me because even the, the, the inner little interaction that we've had over the last six months, I feel like I've learned so many things that I have then re-quoted within other external meetings that I have cited, that I ask questions about, whether it's to Cambridge Community Foundation or when I'm talking to different groups, because you guys now have kind of like brought something more to the surface in terms of like well, what does our footprint look like, and how do we expand upon high school internships, and how do we just how can we can 't do everything but other things we can do, how do we do more because we don 't want we don 't want there to be this wall of separation, and we don 't want to be sitting here not making an impact for people that like we want that 's not who we want to be so i 'm telling like, so I, I think what i 'm saying to you, even though it is incumbent for every company to be doing their own self assessment and evaluation and like evaluating our own work in this area in terms of shared social value and impact. But you guys raising your voices and speaking to this does matter. I guess is what I wanna tell you. And hopefully you already know that. And then even what you're saying about speaking across kind of the Cambridge ecosystem. Yes, it's important to talk to the companies, but you need to speak to government. You need to speak to local officials. You need to work with some of the other, you know, not-for-profit organizations that may be doing similar work, even if it's with different pop, like, what kind of coalitions, the school districts, which are, you guys are in school, right? Cambridge Public Schools, like what's going on with that? We know that in general, these are schools that are really well-funded compared to you know most schools across the country. So what is going on here that even though there is no lack of resources, there still may be this lack of opportunity in the way that it needs to be there. So what you guys are doing is just really important because it's getting other people like myself to be peeling back the onion to understand more and to identify the, the, the help us identify the problems and the solutions together in a way that's more effective.
0: For sure. And this is like one of the through lines to this project is the whole notion of like the equity versus equality. Is that yes we do have these businesses yes we do have a local government that cares and we do have a school district that mm-hmm. cares but at the end of the day are those all acting on the things mm-hmm. that needed to be acting exactly so,
1: how wait, say that again at the end of the day. What I missed that comment.
0: Like, at the end of the day, how do we connect them and kind of create like one? And that I keep touching back on, like, that one. The no- Oh,
1: as opposed to operating within our own silos, another very important thing that you guys are discussing. Yeah, we're not gonna affect any kind of midterm or long term change. That's a very important point. Okay, go
0: ahead. Like, as well as, like, a lot of companies are thinking about their local communities and the school district within, within them, but it's, like, how do they continue and, like, seek that out? Because yeah. I've been, like, I cannot like, Novartis, Biogen, and a handful of other companies, they do have these spaces, um, like, the community labs they have, but, like, how often are those being used or how often are those being implemented? They're kind of like a showcase. And that's, like, not at all what we're trying to do. We're not just trying to, like, get students. Yeah, we want them into the companies. We want them to experience. We want internships. There's a realm of other things that we can talk on, uh, like, talk about in another episode. But at the end of the day, how do we make sure that everyone knows everything and everyone, if that makes sense? Like, we don't want students to feel like, oh, we're just going to school. Yeah, there's, like, the highest, there's the most innovative square mile, like, right at the corner of the city. So we want to really connect and again like speaking we have been speaking um, and right now we're kind of in like the taking sides and hearing people's opinions about two blocks and we've been speaking to a couple of like government officials and like people Mm -hmm. within the city about what their perspective is and a lot of the time it's just that communication like the Mm -hmm. facilitation and the communication isn't necessarily there. And thankfully, like you at Sanofi have this role that is able to do so. But I know a lot of other companies kind of do not know where to start. So we yeah. help spark yeah. and light the match and be like, oh, so here's an issue we're really invested in. Um, maybe this is going to be a great thing for your company to talk, to talk to us and hear what we have to say as well. Yeah. Yeah. If no, I please. Would, yeah. If I were to quickly just add on to that. I think that you mentioned briefly, Wendy, the idea of a tale of two cities, and I think that's a really, like, it's a very real phenomena that I've experienced myself. And one time I was in this, like, entrepreneurial program that took place at Kendall, but I was, like, a sixth grader. I did not know what Kendall was. I was driving through it, and I genuinely asked my guardian who was with me at the time, is this Boston? Like I I truly did not know that Kendall Square existed and that it existed only like less than a mile from my own house. And that was such a reflective moment and period for me. And I think that's speaking on what Jeanette, you said previously about how companies do have the opportunities and resources to kind of engage and have corporate social responsibility, but it's not adequately acted on. Mm -hmm. Right now I can like go on LinkedIn, look at the job section. I see a lot of like social responsibility intern jobs and I'm like wow like obviously these opportunities exist but how is it being acted on mm-hmm. and that goes back to what you were saying previously about how there are so many I think that there's so there obviously there are departments within these corporations there are needs in the um like neighborhoods that surround these corporations for corporate social responsibility but then again how is that being utilized how is it overall kind of being being engaged with and that's what we kind of want to help build upon and make sure that we highlight the importance of that to these corporations that are in our neighborhoods for sure and just like adding something on is just like a lot of the time like over the past two years we've put a lot of things to perspective and like what is going on in the world currently but at the same time like it's not a trend like Mm -hmm. a lot of companies think that like being helpful to their communities either locally or globally no matter who you are, is just like a trend, but it's really not. And this is something like you brought this up earlier. This is- why
1: do you say that? Why do you think that Honestly, companies like, believe that?
0: Because I feel like at the same time, it's more of like a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Helping your communities is like okay. more of like a okay. marketing aspect.
1: So, not to, to make like, yourself look better like, kind of it. thing. Exactly. Okay.
0: And it's like, I don't want that to be the way, I don't think our voices should be used as a, profitable thing Mm -hmm. like we're we have valid things to say and although we're high schoolers but we still have things to say and we still want to be at that table for like the decisions made for us um so i think a lot of the time companies look at this as a way to profit or to kind of expand where their outlook and how people in society will look at them but at the same time that's not necessarily what we're trying to do we're just trying to spread the word Like represent that there is an issue and how we can, I think you'll gain more exposure by actually making a difference rather than pretending to make one.
1: And how do you guys, let me ask you this, even though I think I understand, how do you, when you guys are talking about the issue, how do you define what it is for you all where you sit? What is the issue? What is the thing that needs to be improved or corrected or understood? Like, what is that? Just in your voices, I just want to know what, what that is. I mean, I know that you're talking about generally there. there's these disparities that exist within Cambridge, and some you all are a part of, not everyone is, part of the downstream effect of that in some way by being like outside of this kind of innovation economy and not necessarily knowing or understanding the pathways to be able even to access it. I mean, I... But, like, how do you guys, when you're in meeting with your group, how do you guys define what those issues are issue?
0: Yeah, for sure. And, like, every one of us has kind of our own outlook on this issue, but we have a common ground, and I'll speak a little bit about it first. But, for me, I have been one of the starting members of Two Blocks. And since the beginning, like, we have broken it down into these three demographics. Obviously, the main like, beneficiaries are the students at the end of the day. So how can we make a school district that is spending $31,000 per pupil take advantage of this resource of the mon- monetary, kind of the physical money, how we can better use that to kind of, I don't know, I'm losing words. <laughs> how can we like use that to expand and how can we use that to mm-hmm. better our students and make them mm-hmm. clear cut pathway to success? Um, That's something that the school district has been struggling with for a lot of time and how can we change the curriculum, how we can change the learning to become what it is today. How are these companies spreading good and making good for the world and on a global level, yet the same school districts have been stuck in like the same learning and the same type of kind of Mm -hmm. system for like tens and thousands of years, I guess. Um, But it's just like that's kind of the main perspective. But then also we want to just, I think I keep repeating myself, but at the same time, it's like, how can we connect all of these entities and make it a better experience? Because not only are the students going to be gaining, but also the companies. And one data point that we have not been able to kind of find or even look at is how many students that have grown up or gone to school within Cambridge end up ultimately in Kendall Square. We cannot- Oh
1: my God, that would be a great metric. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a great metric for companies because it's like, all of these companies in Kendall, and you guys know this already, they like data. It's not the whole thing, but it's like important, right? Like it's in general, it's a high technologically driven type of, you know, companies and economies within. And so those, those, I mean, there's a lot of stats though already out there. And I've been reading, some stuff recently that I received um, that Cambridge Community Foundation mm-hmm. did kind of this analysis of economic and educational within yeah. Cambridge. And even there I even been there's some data, I think, from your school, even just on like the number of students of color in like AP class, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like just even like the the variations were predominantly like their students of color or like not in STEM track, not in AP classes, proportionally speaking to other, you know, and even like when they graduate, I think you guys actually talked about that, but I saw this in something I was reading too. But anyway, those, those metrics are important because um, it's something that people like, especially this community that you'll continue to kind of infiltrate, like they need to understand, like, what does that mean specifically? Like, what does that look like? Um, and even in terms of that, you know, one of the things I've been talking a lot about internally, and um, I hope that we have something that's just—I I would love to have some group of you guys to come into our new offices at Cambridge Crossing, which is in the eastern side of Cambridge, which we have been in Kendall Square for a number, a number of years, and now we're on the eastern side. We just moved, and last week was the first week in the office. But I've been talking about internally just, in, I'm part of this, like a work stream that even on this understanding, yes, Cambridge Crossing is going to be this beautiful complex, and it is, and it'll be a lovely, you know, it's a lot of construction going on and the acres of land, but like, do we understand about this part of the Cambridge community? Do we, Synophians specifically, like, the Eastern Cambridge part of the city in general has like the part that has the, the highest economic challenges and where, you know, we don't have, there are not many people of color anymore that live in Cambridge as a city. I think it's like, right now or african-american population specifically but of, of that 5.6 percent there is a large concentration within like un, let's understand the the part of the city now that we are going to be living in we're going to be the largest employer in this eastern Kane, so we need to have an understanding of what's around us so like even like so just to the point like those stats i was talking specifically about some of the stuff that i'm doing because you have to have people you have to have them to understand so they're really- to do more than what was so we can get more people involved in raising their hand to do all different kinds of things you know just yeah. getting involved being a mentor tutoring student whatever it may be but we have people have to have to understand have that understanding which is what you're doing with two blocks which i have no doubt is going to be just super effective at, at the awareness and the voice and getting action more action to happen
0: yeah, and briefly Definitely. before, like, Hermela uh, adds something, <laughs> I just wanted to say is that one of the most useful kind of, like, things is just time. Like, taking the time to actually educate yourself and be in a classroom or be in a, in a school with these students and just hear them out and see what their day is. That's something that would be very appreciated is, obviously, like, a lot of these people have these high high-tech jobs and are working in these beautiful state-of-the-art buildings. But then taking a step back and seeing it, how it looks like from the outside, because I think we're kind of the thing we're grappling with is how do we gain exposure? Because why why should people care? That's ultimately the question is Kendall Square should just like in a lot of people's minds, I don't agree with this at all, but Kendall Square is just doing good for the world. to so like, just let it be like, don't touch it. Don't talk to it. Just like let them do what they need to be. And I think that's not necessarily correct um, because- We're in the same city and that's tying into like the sale tale of two cities is how do we connect and how do we bridge that gap, because two blocks is not just only shedding the light on the educational aspect of it, but on a lot of different. In a realm of different issues systemically and you kind of brought this up about like the classroom settings and how do we bring in um, students of color to feel more represented and have these opportunities on the table. Um, but yeah, so from lot. Long- so yeah, I was just going to say that I agree with your point, Wendy, on the idea that corporations tend di- to, like, technically, or like m- most of the time respond better to statistics as a form of like a metric when it comes to whether it's achievement gaps or just um, an idea of like statistics in general.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Something important to also acknowledge as well are student perspectives. And I think that this is something, Jeanette, both you and I we do have a lot of experiences when it comes to the inequities that exist in Cambridge. And speaking from my perspective, you know, going through the Cambridge public school system, which I've been a part of ever since I was, what, like five years old in elementary school, I have witnessed a lot of the um, kind of achievement gaps that exist, especially me being a woman of color. And now entering the um, CRLS, I when I look at I'm taking an AP class, and all all my other classes are honors right now. And I look at and I look around and what I see reflected in the classroom is not a reflection of the diverse student body that actually does exist there. And for example, one of my classes, there's a total of four black kids, including myself. And that's such a small population compared to the others that surround us. So I feel like I've definitely experienced, in a sense, achievement gaps and other inequities on an educational level. And Jeanette, I know that you talked about the difference, the differences in your elementary school experience versus your middle school. So do you want to? to yeah, that? for sure. Like I have a, d- a unique perspective on how kind of money is spent necessarily within a school context. And I d- I went to Cambridge Port for elementary school. And that's one of the neighboring schools to Kendall Square. Um, and I like overall I had a very pleasant experience, but it was interesting to see that a lot of students within my classes had parents or family members that worked within Kendall Square. So it was interesting to see not when I was in fifth grade, but now looking back, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that these students are being dropped off in a school with low kind of innovation and not really changed over the years. But then their parents are going to work in like very high innovation sectors. Um, and then for middle school, I went to private, and I kind of I mentioned this in one of the other um, episodes was the spending that Cambridge does per pupil is almost as if they're spending on a private school level. Um, Mm -hmm. Parents pay that tuition for their students to get that private school experience in the education. So if we're spending that much, how can we kind of use that to our benefit? Um, And I quoted this again, but member Rachel Weinstein on the school committee has mentioned many times that like as the rigor increases within classes, like the diversity de- decreases. Mm-hmm. So how can we better attempt and like highlight this issue using that monetary response, so.
1: Yeah, because we have, to, we have to identify what those gaps, I mean, look, I'm not a teacher, I'm not an educator, and I'm speaking more broadly right now. But I think that where we're not, whoever the we are, like seeing the change that we're even trying to invest in, so let's just forget about those that are maybe not thinking that you know we are we're all connected whether we believe it or not. So at the end of the day, we're all going to rise together. Or we're going to fall together. And I think there is more of that understanding. I think generally happening in the world. I mean, you can have you you can't have the infrastructure, human and otherwise, around you kind of sinking into holes. Um, as you're still trying to build something because it's literally the ground underneath you is eroding. And I do think there, so I think just, just even thinking about it, like, oh, what does it matter? Like they're, look at the change. We are like, in general, these companies are impacting, you know, change across the world and all, all different kinds of areas. And it is, it is amazing. And I actually, it's one of the things I love about working with life sciences. Let me tell you, it's so stimulating. And like at the end of the day, like the North Star is like, making an impact for patients and that's meaningful to me you know and so i do the industry is great but we're all we're all connected and i think even one of the things that's happening within all of these kendall like communities is like oh my gosh we have this talent shortage well, why what's going on with that? Where like we're not getting not just like the diverse workforce that all these companies want to have. So let me just say, like there is a desire to be investing. Like everybody wants diverse talent because with diversity comes an expansion of ideas, right? And with an expansion of ideas and an expansion of all kinds of voices, you you actually like increase the pace of innovation, right? Because whatever individual kind of, doesn't matter how smart we are and everything that we've teased, if we uh, all of us have a limitation to what we can see and what we understand. And so when you expand that, right? And bring other quite literal like voices and ages and backgrounds to the table, especially like an innovation table, like the pace of innovation. And there's all kinds of Harvard has, Harvard Business School has all kinds of data on this. And I think all that's understood. And it's usually the case in internally for kind of selling the need for why companies need to have more diverse workforces because diversity drives innovation at the end of the day and diversity in the broad sense of that word too so I think the understanding it's there is just about identifying what we what we can be doing differently some of that and this is the stuff this is where it starts to get tricky because even the conversation I had about with a, a, a third party I'll just leave that, and just talking about kind of this existence, because you're talking about, you guys, let's just say your school has a lot of money, and I'm not sure what the issue, but there's still unconscious bias that exists everywhere, too, so even if, once again, you have very well-intended, kind of trained professionals across all industries, but we're not really understanding kind of the preset kind of notions that we have about whatever, then maybe we're... We're still creating the same talent pipeline. We still recreate the same thing, even though we may want to do something different that we don't understand kind of, so, and I'm just using this as one example. It's like, we, you really have to like, why isn't change happening even when the money is there and in a community like Cambridge, which in general is like one of the more progressive communities, right? Like in, in the country, it just, so you've got like a willing kind of Cambridge ecosystem. You've got the money, you've got like a direct, like exposure and proximity to companies and academia and they're still like they're so but some of it can be about things that we like oh why like why do things keep reproducing and so we do let me just so I'm just using that as one example because at schools there is unconscious bias that's also playing out in schools everywhere too which is why a lot of BIPOC students are kind of immediately put in like not encouraged to be on an AP track because like, and it might be kind of, oh, well, in general, we know that students of color, generally speaking, have a harder time, you know, doing well in AP classes or whatever, or in STEM classes. So once again, it may be something that's like, oh, we're trying to set you up for success. So we're going to put you on this pathway. But every pathway should be available. And it's not about like the inherent capability. It just may be about the level of exposure to certain concepts or, and so why, you know, so it's, it's like, we all have to keep helping each other. And this is to your point. We've got to be in conversation with one another and not in our own little bubbles so we can peel back the onion so we can understand what's really happening and then meet it there and then talk about. And so I think that's sum up to me, that's also part of what you guys are doing. You're helping me pull back the onion in terms of this role, like our corporate citizenship for Sanofi within, you know, Cambridge and the greater Boston area. So um, I agree with everything that you just said, but all of us have to be doing this work because if only one part of the larger ecosystem is doing it, then once again, like we have to all come together and then move something forward collectively.
0: Yeah, I think that you definitely brought up a lot of the goals of Two Blocks there and everything that we've been working towards, um, well, especially with the idea that all the resources are in place and all the same ideas are in place, but then again, how do we collectively move forward with that? And I think that we've covered a lot of questions here today regarding what we wanted to present to you regarding why um, corporate social responsibility, why we should utilize it. But I think the last thing that we should touch upon before we close up is how and why and can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? Why or why not? And what is your perspective on how that collaboration should take place?
1: So I think the short answer is yes, and why I think that is because all of these corporations, So if no, I'll just speak to ours, there are so many trained professionals in all of these different areas that come together so there's all this thought leadership and expertise. And that doesn't mean that these professionals become tutors within the schools, but they have, and I know that you guys work with other different companies, but they have expertise, especially when you talk about eventually becoming a part of the innovation economy. And you guys know this better, like younger people know like, it's everything is changing so fast and so you need the professionals to get themselves within like in this case we're talking about the schools in different parts of the community because they have the thought leadership to be able to at least like expand like your capabilities or competencies in one little area which hopefully builds something you like an understanding a connection a better not a found a learning how to do something that you literally didn't know how to do before like it expands your your overall breath that then like changes can change the trajectory of your life and the choices that you make and where you go to college and what you major in and the kind of intro like oh i now i understand about that oh, now I had tutoring by an astrophysicist and I didn't understand how. So I think absolutely we have, and I think that's the part that's, you know, just as important as the financial part and maybe even more moving forward, honestly, is at every level. And I say thought leadership. I just, I mean that like reciprocally, like you guys coming to us, us going to you, short-term, long-term, all different kinds of like, partnerships and relationships and not just with students like maybe someone's with the school district working with the school district at some level maybe some of it's working with teachers to you know like so so it has to be multi connecting in with city government that funds the schools and um we just need all of our voices at the table to see where um you know we can make the most the most impact and what's needed in all of these different areas but yes i um i definitely Agree with you that I I just we we use the term thought leadership a lot internally because we work a lot with physicians and you know life sciences especially we call them thought leaders in whatever area they sit but in general thought leadership is just about sharing one's expertise and knowledge and investing having skin in the game right like like we all we have to have skin in the game with what. Where we are, where we're working, what our corporate presence is, and how we're showing up in the community, like, and not just the downstream. Like, even when the consumers or something, so to me, so like elevated almost as like really changing all uh, uh, changing a patient's life on um, you know the best case scenario. But it's still we have to we have to make an impact in all of these ways. You know we have to we have to come together and and work together. Otherwise, I think like. The literal doors or the figurative doors are still going to stay closed because what people aren't exposed to, what they don't see themselves in, they're not going to gravitate towards that because they're not going to think that there's necessarily a place for them. But there is. (laughs) There is a place for you. And we all, you know, we all need you guys. Like, we really do. Like, even, like, the talent is needed. Like, they can't even... Like companies are having a hard time filling all these highly specialized technical roles. As you guys see, when you said, you know, we look up jobs and there's all this stuff there. Like we really, really do need the talent and we need the talent to come from everywhere. Um, and if, we care, if we're not cultivating that in a meaningful way in our own backyard, then we're not going to have it. And then we're not going to be able to even do the stuff that we need to do. So it really is, you know, all connected, no matter what level you kind of enter enter into it you know sure. as a business imperative as a social imperative as economic imperative i don't even know that any of that ultimately matters it's about it is an imperative whatever inspires you to get more involved it is an imperative for all of us
0: yeah and i think that you definitely speak on one of the points of um, and the importance of sitting just sitting down at the table and having this open communication dialogue and collaboration because, like you said, everybody definitely, every um, connected sector of this like system that we have in place, meaning the education sector, businesses, corporations, and the government, everybody has an incentive to um, contribute to corporate shared value and corporate social responsibility. But I think that open communication and dialogue is really what's needed to push all of these ideas over the edge and to get them implemented and in the works. So, for sure. Yeah. And I like, I'm just gonna like say this, but like I definitely think we had such an amazing conversation. We definitely answered a lot of our questions um, and really brought to perspectives kind of from a business point of view, um, how two blocks should be kind of approached, you know yeah. Um, but again, we just wanted to thank you again, Wendy, for coming on to our podcast and speaking with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully we will have you on soon.
1: Thank you guys. Well, we'll have to plan our next thing because you know this is a relationship that I definitely wanna continue to evolve. So we'll figure out more of what we, we can do for the rest of 2022. Um, so I'll work with Michael and Donna on that. But thank you guys so much for having me. I'm here if you need me. Give me a shout. Awesome. Of thank course. you guys for tuning
0: in.